If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're doing a series on Jesus' great sermon on the mount. And it begins there in chapter 5. We're going to be looking at it now. If you didn't bring your Bible, hopefully you received the handout on your way in here. It has the passage printed for you. You can follow along with us there. Now, um, today I... um, promised, and maybe you heard this and, and maybe not, but today is the day that I want to deliver um, a State of the Union address. Now, just to kind of set the room at ease, I'm not planning on talking about the state of our nation or getting into politics with you, but I do want to talk about the state of our union, this church. That's what I want to talk about with you today, and this passage will help us with that. But before we do that, I do want to set the stage by sharing a story. And the story begins with a ragtag group of people who were the initial followers of Jesus Christ. Those initial followers of Jesus Christ included some fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot, former prostitutes, even Pharisees. And after Jesus died and rose again, that little group of people who were his initial followers gather around him. And before Jesus ascended into heaven, he commissioned them and he empowered them with the Holy Spirit so that they could be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now, not a single one of them probably could have ever imagined the long and lasting impact that they would have on the world. But that small little (laughs) ragtag flawed but faithful group of people trusted Jesus. And because of their faith in Jesus and their um, witness and testimony to the world, we are here today because of what God did through that first initial group of people that formed a faith community that we call the church. And the church, this group of people, not a building, a community, the called out ones, gathered together in homes. And in those homes, they devoted themselves to worship. They devoted themselves to studying scripture and to prayer. And they committed themselves to serving the community of believers and also to reach out and serve the unbelieving world around them. And as a result of that, God added more and more people to that community, the church. Now, because of their faithfulness, the church has continued to grow and thrive. And for generation after generation after generation throughout history, the church has had an incredible impact. And we're here today. We are the current generation of the church today. And what we are is really just a continuation of what Jesus started with that little faith community over 2,000 years ago. We are the current generation of the church. It's an incredible thing. But at some point, guess what? This generation, our generation, we will pass. But today, we have an opportunity to make an impact in the world. Today. And we have the opportunity to build the church for tomorrow. I can't think of a more exciting 
<laughs> endeavor to be a part of. And here's the amazing thing. They didn't know it back then, and it's difficult for us to even comprehend now that we are, we are involved in something that God is doing on a global scale. That we are part of a large enterprise of, of what God wants to do in this world. And yet at the same time, God looks to you, and he looks to me, and he invites us to participate with him in making an impact in the world for eternity. Isn't that amazing? The question is, how are we supposed to do that? How are we supposed to make that kind of an impact? Well, in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus sits down with the followers that were gathered around him in what we now know as the Sermon on the Mount, he begins to tell them how they're to have an impact. He says, here's the foundation for influence. And you know what the foundation is? Character. The foundation for influence is character. And, and Jesus says to the, the followers at the time, he said, here's, the, here's how you're going to make an impact in this world. Here's how you will influence the world. It's going to be by being poor of spirit, by being contrite of heart, by being gentle, by pursuing purity and peace and righteousness. And it's by, by willing, a willingness to be persecuted for my name's sake. And it's so different than what anyone might expect. It's so different what the world would tell us because the world would say, if you want to make an impact, you've got to be powerful and strong and beautiful and smart. Jesus says, no, it's about your character. It's about who you are. And after kind of laying the foundation of our character, who we are, then in Matthew chapter 5, he shifts not to just what he wants to build in us, the character that he wants to build in us, but the contribution that he wants to make through us. And that's what we get to look at today in the continuation of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. That God wants to do something in us so that he could do something through us. That our character leads to our contribution that who we are in Christ will flow out of us so we can have an impact in the world for him. That's what we get to take a look at today. And it's the foundation for our State of the Union address. And so I, wanted to, I want to take a look at this passage, four verses. So I'd invite you to stand in honor of God's word. Let's read this together and then we'll take a closer look. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, it says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. Now, in this passage, Jesus uses two domestic metaphors, illustrations to help us understand how we are to make an impact in the world. Now, before we go into these metaphors, these pictures, these illustrations, um, we need to understand the kind of the context in, they're, in which they're set, which is um, the world in which we live. And so I guess I'll start with a, um, two facts about the world that I, I want us to kind of recognize and understand. The first one is this, that the world is in a process of decay. The world we live in is in a process of decay, physically, morally, spiritually. Perhaps you have felt that. The second thing is this, that the world is enveloped in spiritual darkness. 
that our world is enveloped in spiritual darkness, and those who are sitting, it can't be, and it can't be overestimated, it, those who are sitting in darkness um, cannot see the light. And even when the light comes, they recoil from it. We are living in a world that is, that is decaying and, and, and sitting in spiritual darkness. Now, aren't you glad you came to church today? Amen. So there is a problem. And this isn't just a problem that we read in Scripture, but it's probably something you have felt probably something that you have experienced. We live in a broken world. The question is, what are we supposed to do about it? What are we supposed to do about the fact that we live in a broken world where there's, there's decaying and there's darkness? How do we respond? The temptation for us is to run away. The temptation for us is to say, I've got to get out of it. I've got to hide away from it. But that would be the opposite of what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus recognized, yes, there's a problem. There's a brokenness in the world. But he, guess what? He says, church, you are the solution. There is a problem. But the church is the solution. In fact, the, the church is God's plan A to impact the world. And there is no plan B. The church is the solution. Jesus, sitting there on that hillside, looked deep into the eyes of those followers there on that day. And he said to them, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I'll show them to you. It says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This is what he wants them to know, what he wants us to know. That he's calling us to make an impact in the world, not run away from the world. And you may say, well, I don't want to make an impact in the world because what if the world rejects me and persecutes me? Guess what? Jesus covered that already. In the previous verses, he talked about, yes, the world will persecute you. In fact, blessed are those who are persecuted. But it's not that we're to run away from the persecuting world, but we're to step in and serve the persecuting world. That's what he's calling us to. He's saying, you're to be salt, you're to be light. Now, I want you to see the emphasis there in the, the first verse, that you there, you can circle it, underline it, whatever it is, it's emphatic. He's saying, you, you like that. It's us. We are to be salt. We are to be light. And it's set in the, the verbs here is in the present tense. So it's not something that we are becoming or that we strive towards. It's something that we are. It's who we are. We are salt. We are light. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be salt and light? And so let's take a look at, it, at each one of them together. So verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth. What does it mean to be the salt of the earth? Does this mean that we are the source of, of high blood pressure all around the world? <laughs> no. In fact, I wonder if in, in, our, in our day, Jesus might change his illustration a little bit because salt doesn't always get good press. But the reality is salt is extremely valuable and extremely important. In fact, the word salary, by the way, comes from the word salt because Roman soldiers were paid a portion of their salary in salt. That's how valuable it was. It was an extremely valuable commodity. And the question is, well, why was it so valuable? Well, it served two um, primary functions in the ancient world. The first one is as a preservative, and that was huge for them, right? They did not have refrigerators or freezers. And so if they didn't have salt, their food would rot. And so you needed salt. They would use salt to prevent decay and rotting of their food. So fishermen, for example, they would salt their fish so that their catch wouldn't spoil, the bacteria wouldn't spread, that it could be preserved. So salt was essential to prevent decay. Listen, church, we are 
God's agents in this world to prevent decay. We are living in a decaying world, but God has set us to be salt in this world to prevent the decay, to be a different kind of agent in the world, morally, spiritually, and to impact the world. That's what he's calling us to. Well, it's not just that we prevent decay, but we're also, salt is also an enhancer. This is something we understand, right? You understand when you put a little salt on your food, it tastes a little better. You know what I'm talking about? You put a little salt on your steak, it tastes good, doesn't it? You know, there's nothing better than a, a, a juicy, medium-rare steak, little salt on it. Doesn't that sound good right now? Okay, I've lost some of you. You're already thinking about lunch right now. <laughs> I'm with you. We'll get there. But there's just something beautiful about that. It enhances things. And in the same way, we as Christians are to enhance the world, enhance our environments, the relationships around us, that we're to add flavor. In fact, the church, listen, if we aren't impacting and enhancing our community, then we're not much of a church. See, if the church is all about let's huddle up, let's worship together, that's what it's all about, then we might as well just ask God to take us now. We'll get to heaven. Worship's going to be a lot better there. But Jesus left us here in this broken world. Why? So that we can be preservative agents, so that we can be enhancers into the world that is decaying and dark. This is what he's called us to be about. So, but the, the thing, second thing here in verse 13, it says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, Jesus says, well, it said, what if the salt loses its saltiness? And you're thinking to yourself, wait, can salt lose saltiness? Some of you scientists in the room are like, no, no, no. Sodium chloride, it's a solid compound. It cannot lose saltiness. Relax, it's okay. Jesus understands that too. <laughs> but here's what he's trying to say. What Jesus wants us to understand is that salt can lose its value and it can lose its saltiness. And we understand how this w- works in, in, back in the ancient times, right? If they're, they're salting their fish or if they're trying to harvest the salt and they're scraping it and it gets to a point of hitting mud or dirt or if they're salting their fish and it, it falls on the ground and you step in it and it's like stuck in the dirt there, you're not going to scoop it up and say, okay, I'm going to take the salt out of it. You'd be like, no, no, it's contaminated. Leave it there. It's no longer salty. It's lost its value, Right? You, you and I would do this if we went, when, you know, we went to Bob's Burger together, okay? I love burgers. We went to Bob's Burger together, and you are um, salting your French fries, and some of the salt, you know, spills off like that massive amount of French fries that they serve there, and uh, falls onto the ground. And um, I would say to you, well, are well, you going to pick that up? And you say, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to pick it up. I'm like, wait a minute, it's sodium chloride. You know, it's a solid compound. It doesn't lose its saltiness, right? It's good. You'd be like, no, it has hair wrapped around it right now. I do not want it on my french fries, right? So it's lost its saltiness. It's lost its value. Jesus is saying the same thing. Listen, if you get contaminated, if we get polluted, then we lose our impact. If we don't look any different than the world, it's very difficult to make an impact in the world. And so the question is, well, how do we stay different when we stay close to Jesus? We stay close to Jesus so that he can transform us from the inside out. He can work in our lives so that we can make a difference in the world. That's, that's what he's saying there. So then the next, the next uh, picture that he gives us is a light. You are the light of the world. Notice he doesn't say you are a source of light. He says you are light of the world. Then he says a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So he uses kind of two pictures here. You're a light of the world. You are the source of light in this world. And a town on a hill cannot be hidden. So some people 
believe that Jesus was, was picturing um, a, a, a true city on a hill. And in Galilee, there was a, a city called Sapphras. And it was the capital city of the, of the region of Galilee. It was often referred to as the ornament of Galilee or the, the pearl of Galilee. It sat on a hill. It was built up by Herod. And it was, it was beautiful. And in fact, it was, a, it was set on a hill very close to Nazareth. So many people believe that it's very likely that Jesus, as a child growing up with Joseph as his father, a construction worker, was part of building up that city that everyone knew in the Sea of Galilee as the Pearl of, of Galilee. Regardless of, of what city ref, he's referring to or that, pic, that picture is clear, that a city builds up on a hill, and you can just imagine the columns and the marble, it just shines. It just, you can't miss it. Jesus is saying you cannot miss it. You are to be a light that people cannot miss. Have you ever done hide and, played hide-and-seek with a, a two-year-old? <laughs> if you have, you know what I'm talking about. What a two-year-old will do is they will like, lay down in the middle of the room, face down in the carpet, close their eyes, and they think they're hidden. Right? And you're like, where are you? I can't. And you're tripping over them and they're giggling. And, you know, it's just they're, you, they're not hidden. They think they are, but they're right there in plain sight. In the same way, Jesus is saying, church, you're not hidden. You're out there. You are the source of light for the world to see. So what does he go on to say in, in, the, in the following part? It says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So now he's kind of going to a, a kind of a, a house picture. And you, you know how this works. When the sun goes down and it gets dark, what do you do? You flip on a light. And in their case, a much smaller home, they light a lamp. And now you don't put a bowl over that lamp because then all of a sudden people are running into tables and they're stepping on Legos and, you know what I mean, that, that, that backpack that you see in the corner, because it's so dark, you're, you're pretty sure it's alive and it's going to eat you. And so we don't want to be in the dark. We want light. And so you keep the light on so that people can see in the house. And in the same way, he's saying, listen, in the environment that you're in, don't hide that light. Keep it out. And in some of your cases, you might be the only source of light in your home. You might be the only source of light for Christ at your workplace. You might be the only source of light uh, in your relationships. And he's saying, let that light shine. Don't hide it. It gives light to everyone in the house. Then, next verse, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others. How do we let our light shine? By our good deeds, who we are, how we live our lives. This is what people will take notice of. And again, it's rooted in our character. It's rooted in who we are that begin, that God can do a work in us and he can do a work through us by how we live our lives differently that people take notice and say, there's something different here. There's a greater hope. There's a greater joy. There's a greater peace. What is it? And they take notice. I think of the picture of a moon. You guys know that the moon is not a source of light, right? The moon, what does it do? It reflects the light of the sun. So the sun goes down, the moon comes up. The moon, it's reflecting light in darkness. Aren't you grateful for moments when the moon is shining? You're like, oh, I can see a little bit. If there was no reflection in a dark place, you would be um, struggling. But in the same way, church, we're reflecting the light of Christ to a dark world so that people might say in this light, maybe, maybe there's something about the sun that could be a source of light for me too. 
that they might turn and see Jesus as the source of light for them. This is what we are to be as the church. Now, you're saying to yourself, I thought this was a State of the Union talk. It is a State of the Union talk, and so let's go there. Listen, church, we are plan A, and there is no plan B. We live in a dark and decaying world, and God wants us to make an impact. God wants us to influence the world for him. We are it. And here's the thing. One of the things I love about South Hills Church is that as a church, you have not said, let's run away from the world. But as a church, your history has been said, let's step into the world and care for it. That the heart of this church has said, let's care for the hurting and the broken in this world. And by God's grace, may we never lose that focus. Because Jesus is not calling us to step away. He's calling us to step forward. The world might persecute us, but we are called to serve the persecuting church. And so we are to be salt and light. That is, we're to, be, um, we're to, to bring, uh, pre- prevent spiritual decay in this world. And we're also to provide spiritual light in this world. Both things. And in this church, we have ministries that are especially salty and ministries that are especially light. In terms of the salt part, preserving decay in our world, we have ministries like Grief Share. Perhaps you've heard of Grief Share. Grief Share is a ministry here at the church, and it's a ministry to help those who are grieving. And if you've, you, you've ever been struck by grief, and that's all I have to say is just struck by grief in your life, you know that it is so painful and it is so overwhelming. I don't have any other word to describe it other than suffering. If you've ever suffered from grief, And you know how overwhelmingly powerful that can be and how difficult it can be to manage it on your own. We have a ministry that says, hey, we want to walk alongside people in their suffering. We want to walk alongside people who are overwhelmed by grief to care for them, to encourage them, to help help them work through the challenges that they're facing so they can begin to rebuild their life. That's what Grief Share is all about. And the ministry that we have here at this church is not so that people in the church, people in the ministry say, oh, look at South Hills Church. We do it so that people would say, oh, look, there's the Lord who's near to the brokenhearted. That's the heart of it. It's a salt ministry. We have other salt ministries in the church. In fact, there's a couple in this last year who stepped forward and said, hey, we would like to start a financial peace class here in, um, offered here through South Hills Church. They recognize that, yes, there is so much burden and strain on marriages, on relationships, in life because of debt and struggled with finances. So they said, we want to be salt there. They've been through financial peace courses and said, we, want, we understand the reward of helping people um, find freedom from debt and to move forward in a, in a new path. And so they said, we want to step forward and help people with their finances. We have a, a salt ministry here that you may not be aware of. There's a, a van ministry that every single week there are members of this church that are dedicated to go to Union Gospel Mission to pick up uh, people there so that they can come and worship with us and have a home. I love that, that our church is saying we want to reach out to people in the community who may not have a church, who may not have a home. We want to provide that for them. In our church, we have other salt ministries like uh, Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a a ministry um, for people who are struggling with addiction and a pain and challenge in their life. 
And a couple of weeks ago, I got to go and visit Celebrate Recovery, and I was so proud of those who are serving in that ministry to provide that place to open the door for those who are dealing with addiction. But I am also so proud of those who participate in Celebrate Recovery. And because they're also saying we want hope and we want healing that only comes through Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. When we have salt ministries, by the way, church, this also means that people are going to be coming into our church that aren't always going to be neat and tidy. And it so much depends on us as a church to say, how are we going to show the love of Christ to help them know they belong here? In fact, just let me say this. If you're here and you're dealing with addiction, if you're overwhelmed by life, it's become unmanageable, I'd like to say to you two very important words. Welcome home. Welcome home. This is your church. There is a place for you here. You belong. See, we have salt ministries, and, and I could share more. And I don't, you know, there's we got to continue to do salt ministries. We got to continue to say, how do we prevent spiritual decay in our world and provide be God's agents to enhance the world in which we live? That's what he's calling us to do. This last summer, a number of ladies um, encountered uh, moms who were coming to our summer programs with moms of young kids. And these moms were hungry or they're starving for friendship and connection and support in being a mom with young kids. And so a number of these ladies said, hey, we want to start um, a, a play, provide a place for these moms to come together where they can connect, where they can be encouraged, where they can build on those friendships. And so uh, we've had a, a, a growing and thriving mom's ministry that's been taking place here. Some, those same ladies said, we also want to care for those moms who can't come in the mornings, so let's do something in the evenings. And they provided some events for Moms to connect. It's very, very important. We have a, a men's ministry here, and this yesterday we had a men's breakfast, and we had over 130 guys show up for men's breakfast. Food talks, right? So it, it, <laughs> it's the way to a man's heart. So we have food for men, and they come. But you know what? The point of it is I love the heart of our men's ministry because they recognize men need other men. And, you know, if we can help build servant Leaders, men who are servant leaders in the home, in their workplace, and with their friendships, we're adding salt to the earth. And we need more salt of the earth men, don't we? As men, we struggle with two kind of extremes. We either can be way too passive or we can be way too aggressive. And we need coaching, we need encouragement, we need modeling so that we can be who God is calling us to be so that we can prevent spiritual decay in, in, in this world in which we live, in our marriages, in our, in our homes, in our churches, in society. It's a salt ministry and it's important. Now again, I could go on and on, but let me talk a moment about our light ministries. See, light ministries are important too because not only are we to prevent spiritual decay, we're to provide spiritual light. So how are we being a light to people in our community? So locally, some of the ways that we have done that is by simply saying we want to reach out to um, local schools. And we wish as a church that we could reach every school in the Tri-Cities, but we can't. We'd spread ourselves too thin. So we've said we're going to focus in on Southgate Elementary School. So we've said that's the school that we're going to focus on. And there's lots of things that we do to serve and support and to be light in that elementary school. Let me just mention a couple of them. Some of you are aware of it, that in the summertime, kind of August time, right, we, we talk about something about backpacks for kids. 
and we provide backpacks for kids who are going to school. And this is a very important light ministry. We get to step up and help a kid who, um, when they get to school, you know, it's a terrible feeling to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have, they have the stuff for school. I don't have the stuff that it takes for school. So even before class begins, you feel like you're an outsider. You feel like a loser. So we've just simply said, how can we be a light to those students who don't have those resources and provide backpacks for them? And this last year, we provided over 50 backpacks for kids at Southgate Elementary. Another way that we support uh, Southgate Elementary and the students there is that on a weekly basis, I don't know if you know this, but on a weekly basis, we provide food packs for 20 kids. You're thinking to yourself, well, what's a food pack? Well, I didn't know either. I had to ask. A food pack is, is really um, a pack of food that, we, that are, is given to students on a weekly basis so that on the weekends they have food. See, a student can go to school and they can get free lunch there, you know, five days, five days of the week. But when they go, go home on the weekend, there's no guarantee that there's going to be food for them there. So as a church, on a weekly basis... 20 kids, we've said, hey, we want to make sure that there is a food pack that goes into their backpack every Friday afternoon. So when they go home on the weekend, they have, it ensures that they have nutrition on the weekend, that they have food seven days a week. Isn't that great? Amen. That's the heart of this church. And I could say more ways that the church has simply said, hey, why don't we want to serve Southgate? But I keep, got to keep moving on. There's other ways locally that we are light to this community. We, we support a, a ministry called Mirror Ministries. It's a local ministry that's trying to help people get out of um, human trafficking and heal from human trafficking. It's a, it's a wonderful thing that's going on right here because that is a massive problem. We also, um, we also support a ministry called the Grace Clinic, which is, uh, serves the, um, under, uh, you know, kind of the underinsured or uninsured um, with health care and provides for them that way. So there's local ways of doing it. Again, I, I'd love to list more, but I want to keep going because I want to now talk globally. There's ways globally that we're making an impact with, uh, in, a light, in a light way. So many of you know this, but maybe you don't, but we, we support a school for orphans in Kenya. We also uh, serve a, um, we provide education, we support an, uh, a ministry that provides education for, um, for kids who are in the largest, one of the largest cities in Thailand where there's, the sex trade is just so terrible. And the whole focus of the ministry is to say, let's educate kids and let's, let's disciple them with the gospel before they get caught up in the sex trade. That's another ministry that we support. We also support the, the training of pastors globally. That we are so invested and so concerned about the church making impact, not just locally but globally, we're saying, hey, how can we train pastors and leaders of churches so that they can continue to make an impact? One of the couples that we support in the training and development of pastors and the strengthening of the church around the world is Phil and Anita Paulson. Have you heard of them? <laughs> Some of you have. Okay, they have had a massive impact on this church. And they've had a massive impact in the Tri-Cities. But now we get to support them as they have an impact around the whole world. Isn't that amazing? That is worth celebrating. That's what we get to support. This next week, I hope you come back because we are going to be um, hearing from Ryan and April Beck. They're going to be talking about their ministry. They actually are involved in translating, translation work, and church planting in a remote tribal, unreached tribal group in Papua, Indonesia. 
They're going to be coming here and sharing. And as they share, you are going to be on the edge of your seats. I guarantee it. And it's not just because they're great presenters, although they are. But you're going to be on the edge of your seat because of what God is doing. And because of your partnership with them, we are bringing light to the farthest regions of the world. There's more light ministries than I can talk about in the little bit of time that I have today. But when you come to this church and you contribute, you are contributing to making an impact in the world locally and globally in tremendous ways. You're helping people who are struggling to get out of and heal from the sex trade. You're helping disciple kids who are orphans. You're helping bring translation, church planting, strengthening churches, um, serving the underserved medically. You're involved in help serving refugees. That's what you're investing in. When you invest here, that's the impact that this church is making around the world. And it, it shouldn't stop there. We should keep looking for ways to be light around the world, shouldn't we? See, because when God blesses us, we shouldn't hold it to ourselves. We need to then bless other people. You know the story, right? In uh, the, the Israelites, when God blessed them on a daily basis with manna. Do you remember that story? On a daily basis, God provided manna for the people in, uh, of Israel. But what happened when they tried to hoard the blessing? When they tried to hoard the manna? They got maggots. Listen, same principle for us. When God blesses us, it's not for us to hoard, not for us to hold on to, say, me, me, me. It's say, how can I bless others? See, if God's given us resources, we ought to say, okay, God, how can you use our resources to make an impact in the world for you? Not to hoard it, but to give it away. And it goes back to the Abrahamic covenant. God blessed the people so that they could be a blessing to the nations. It's the same principle for us today. If God's blessed us, how can we be a blessing to others? So we need to be salt. We need to be light. We need to stay at it. Then the question is, well, what's kind of some priority things for us in this coming year? Let me mention a couple of ways uh, that I want us to be focused on as a church in this, coming, in this coming year. Our focus needs to be about engagement. We want to engage. The question is, well, what, what does that mean, engage? Well, first of all, I want us to make sure that we are the, establishing the priority of engaging with God. That as a people, as a church, I pri- we need to start with the foundation of worship Why is worship so important? Worship is so important because if we don't worship and we don't study God's word and worship and respond to him, we'll never know how to be salt and light. So we start here. Worship is first. It's foundational. Worship is not just a Christian habit, by the way. It's a central necessity to how we can function before the Lord. And so engagement is not an, church engagement is not an option. Worship is not an option. It's a necessity. It's part of what it means to say, okay, God, I need to respond to you so that you can do all that you need to do in me so we can do all that you want to do through me. So worship is essential. It's it's primary. It comes first. Then, not only do we need to focus on engaging with God, but we need to engage with God's people. We need to engage with God's people. Some of you are here and you're saying, hey, I'm coming to church. That's good. I'm engaging with God. That's great. But I don't feel connected here. Listen, we have a solution for that. It's called life groups. See, I I picture it this way. You know, you're coming to church, you're engaging with God. That's great. You're here. It's like walking into a house and you're now in the house and you're you're seeing the, 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 the layout and all that kind of stuff. But if you stop and you stay in the entryway, you're missing something. 
And we don't want you to stop there. See, you can stay in the entryway for a while, and that's all right, but eventually, you know, the people in the house are going to say, hey, why don't you take your coat off? You know, come on, sit down in the living room. We want to get to know you more. We want you to get to know us. And that's the same way for us. We want to move you from the entryway into the living room because that's where family takes place. That's where we, we, we laugh and we cry and we, 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 we tell, we, you, you know, we just, we live life together. And we want that for you when life groups are um, living room conversations about what we're learning on Sunday with a group of people to say, how can we now apply this to our life on a daily basis? Community groups are so important. We want to help you get connected. We want to help you get reconnected. If you're interested and you're saying, hey, I need to step out of the entryway into the living room, let us know. We would love to have that conversation with you and to grow with you together as God's people. So there's engagement. God engages with God's people. The second word is equip. Equip. We want to equip you. This is so important that we, we not miss the fact that God has called us to equip the church. And this is why in our children's ministry, I love our children's ministry because they're not interested in warehousing kids here on Sunday. They're interested in discipling children. They're interested in helping kids know who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. And I love the heart of those who volunteer in our children's ministry because of the front lines of helping kids know who God is, what it means to follow him, experience his grace, his forgiveness and character. If you want to be a part of an exciting ministry, consider being a part of children's ministry. And I'm thankful for everyone here who serves in that ministry because it's so important. We need to equip our kids. But it's not just in the children's ministry. We need to do that with our student ministry as well. So middle school, high school, young adults, we need to invest in the youth. I don't know if you recognize this or know this, but we need to grow younger here at South Hills. We need to invest in our youth. We need to invest in the next generation who are to come, the church now and moving forward. And so we need to invest in that. In fact, you can pray for us because um, right now we're looking for um, a high school pastor. In fact, we're in conversations with um, someone right now about what that could look like. So pray for our wisdom in that. That would, we would have wisdom from God and the right fit for us, the right fit for them, that together we could partner in equipping the youth here in the Tri-Cities through South Hills Church. So pray for us in that. It's, a, it's a vital and important. We want to equip and we want to invest in the next generation. Now, it's not just youth that we want to invest in, but we want to invest in the whole church. We want all of you, all of the church, to be equipped, to be growing deep spiritually, and to be growing out in your service. And so we're going to be talking more about that in the months to come. The next word, though, is empower, that we also want to empower. We want to empower people to be disciples who make disciples. We're interested in making more and better disciples. That is, we want you to grow in your faith but that's not the, the, the end point. That's not the finish line. We want you to be growing in your faith so that you can be helping others grow in their faith and they can be helping others grow in their faith and helping others grow in their faith. We want to be a church that empowers people to go and be ministers, to make disciples who make disciples. And you may be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, isn't that the pastor's job? Isn't that your job, pastor? No. It's not. You are God's ordained ministers to be salt and light in the places that he's put you. You're here and you're a teacher. 
Guess what? God went through a lot of work to put you in the school that you are in so that you could be salt and light in that place. You may look and say, oh, aren't you the minister of the church? And you know, I'm not the minister of the church. You are. You're God's ordained minister there to be salt and light to those kids, to those families, to that staff in that community. You say, oh, I'm not a teacher. I, I work with tools. Great. Do you know that God went through a lot of work to help you learn how to use those tools so that you can be on that job site? Why? So that you could be God's ordained minister on that job site. You don't park your faith here and then go out and do whatever on the week. No, no, no. You take your faith with you when you leave here and you take it to the job site. God, you are God's ordained minister on that job site. Listen, you may say, okay, well, wait a minute. I'm just, I'm retired. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm good. I, I've, I'm hung up the hat. No, 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 no. There's no retirement. There's no retirement. Listen, the next generation they need to see you finish well. They're watching you. They need to see you finish well. You need to be investing in the next generation. And here's the reality, and you, you know it, if you're, you're kind of, you're looking at the next generation coming up, and this is the case probably for every next generation coming up, that we think we've got it all figured out. Guess what? You know this. We don't, right? Now, there, is, there needs to be a handoff. There needs to be an investment that I'm developing you and I'm empowering you to lead. But guess what? During that handoff, we need some cheerleading. We need some coaching. We need some modeling. We need some mentoring. And so listen, the game's not over. We need you more than ever. We need to be strengthened. You need to be saying, how can I, with this handoff, be developing the church now and moving forward? We need you. You've got grandkids? Guess what? God has called you to be God's ordained minister to them. They need salt and light. You are the expression of salt and light to them. I'm not there. You're there. You're to be God's ordained minister in your family with your grandkids. To say, God, I need your help to know when to challenge so that I can, you know, have that salt function, when to encourage, when to have that light function in their life. We, we need you there. Your grandkids need you. You may say, well, I'm just a mom. Listen. Do not ever put the word just in front of mom. Moms, you have the greatest job in the world. You get to, you get to shape the life of a child. You are God's ordained minister in your kid's life. To be salt in life to them. You say, well, I'm a single mom. Listen, I feel for you. You've got the hardest job in the world. But it doesn't mean you, do, you step away from that responsibility. When God has called you to be salt and light to your kids, now more than ever, you say, God, I need your help. I call out to you, God, help me to be salt and light in my kid's life. You're a student. You're saying, I'm too young to do this. Listen, you're not too young to be God's ordained minister in your school. I wish I had figured that out sooner, that I was God's minister, that I was God's missionary in my school. And once I finally figured that out, you know what? It changed everything for me. And I just wish I'd figured it out sooner so that I could make an impact for eternity with my classmates when I was in school. Listen, you're not too young. You're not too old. But sometimes we forget. We think, oh, that's the pastor's job. Nope, it's your job. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. God has called you 
to make an impact in the world for him. You are God's ordained ministers. But because we forget, sometimes here's what I want to do. I would like to officially <laughs> ordain you as ministers of the good news today. And here's how I want this to work. I'm going to ask you to stand up and receive your ordination. So will you please stand right now? I want you to stand for a minute. If you're watching online, you're welcome to stand as well. And before I ordain you, reordain you, I want to remind you of this. This is not something for you to run away from. This is not something for you to step back away from. God is calling you. It's not that you're too old, not that you're too young. God, you, you know, you can't, God can't use me. He uses everyone. He wants to use you to be salt and light. And this isn't something that I'm saying. This is something that God is saying to you. He has called you to be. It's been his plan from the beginning. So are you ready to receive your ordination? Okay. My friends, it's my great privilege to ordain you as ministers of the good news of Jesus Christ. May God go with you and empower you by his Holy Spirit to show his light and his life in the world around you. Receive this ordination and be God's people. Be salt and light to the people and to the places that he has put you specifically. Now, is it okay if I pray for the ministers today? Let me pray for us. God, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. And we ask that you would help us to reflect your love, your grace, your mercy in a world that so desperately needs it. Help us, Lord, to be your agents to prevent decay and to provide spiritual light. But God, even as I pray it, I know you feel our inadequacy. But Lord, we ask that you would give us faith, courage to step forward into that which you have called us to. Lord, help us as a congregation to draw close to you through worship. Help us to draw near to one another for encouragement and support. And Lord, push us out into the world so that we can make a difference for you. We pray this together in your name. Amen.